Well, hey, good morning, everyone. It's uh, great to see you all. Uh, what's really weird about summers now is that uh, schools start so early that I grew up in a generation where you went to school back in September, right? Right? Most of you guys out there, you know, you guys went back to school in September. Our daughter starts high school, which is so weird to say because I feel like I just graduated high school myself. Our daughter starts high school next week. So, yeah, exactly, yeah. That's exactly how I feel, Mo. Oh, this week. Yeah, this week. Yeah, this week. Sorry. When I say next week, I meant this week. <laughs> so there's this really weird, you know, it's summer, but yet school's starting. It really plays on your mind and, and things like that. And I'm going to be very, very honest with you guys, and it's kind of where I'm even leading to uh, into my sermon. Uh, but I, I've really felt like I June hit. Uh, my daughter got out of, uh, of school, and we went kind of into summer mode as a family and things like that, and then July vacationing, and I really, really kind of, as I like to use the expression, I put the car in neutral and just was, felt like I was just coasting uh, th- kind of in life and through everything. Now, I'm a pastor, right? You can't coast. There's no coasting, right? You, you need to always be engaged. You need to always be seeking the Lord. And you need to always be working on, you know, all the things that are around you. But um, I, I, you know, if there's one thing that I just want to share in my heart and bear my soul with you guys as a church, I, uh, this, you know, going back to about October, some of you know, some of you don't, but we started the process of Uh, separating from uh, the church that we were planted out of to actually becoming our own church. And I want to be very honest with you guys, it was exhausting. It was exhausting for me, not necessarily physically. It was exhausting for me emotionally. It was a very emotional thing uh, for for us to do, our leadership, uh, me. uh, And then there was so much to think about because there there was a lot that this church was doing for us, and now we had to do it all on our own. Well, I'm the only staff member. Uh, And then there's my wife, who, by the way, does not get paid, but because she's in close proximity to me, she gets to do everything that I can't do uh, and things like that. And then there's my leadership. None of my leadership is paid. We We give none of our leadership any money, and they are amazing. They do such an amazing job week in, week out. They're here. They're setting up, and there's, you know, all those things. And I'm going to be honest with you. It, you can get into such a routine and such a mundane that you forget what church is all about. And what is church all about? Relationships. Church is all about people, you know. And that's what I want to talk about. That's really what I feel like is on my heart so I'm actually going back to something I've preached on before, and I kind of want to do it again. I'm going you know, I, to give it a little bit of a different twist and things like that, but I kind of want to go back to something because I'm going to be honest with you all. I felt like I was starting to lose something. It was almost becoming like church for me was becoming like a business. You know, I, I am paid to do this. I do give myself a salary to, to concentrate on all the things that the church does you know, uh, you know, day in and day out, but it's so easy to forget why we're doing what we're doing. It's so easy just to come here and just work and put our heads down and, and set up and, and all this things, and we forget the why. And the why is you, you guys, us, together, building relationships. And, and for this whole month, I want to talk again about 
what is the purpose of the church? What is church? And I, really, it goes all the way back to its foundation, to its very infancy, to where the seeds were planted back when Jesus was walking this earth on what is church? And I'm going to be very honest with you. If church is just a place for you, I'm, gonna, I'm telling you right now, that's wrong. It's not a place. You hear me say it every week that the church isn't a building, that the church isn't this. And, and, and it's so easy. I don't know why it is. And I'm being honest with you. I'm bearing my soul and I'm letting you know it started to slowly even become that for me that I just was so exhausted, that I was so emotionally spent, that even church for me this, you know, over through the summer started to just become something to do, and I don't want it to be that. And I'm hoping that you feel the same way, that I don't want church just to be something I come to, just to be something that we come together on a Sunday and we, and we work and we kind of build this thing and then we tear it down and then we all kind of scatter to our, you know, our separate corners. I hope you feel like I do. I don't want this, what we're doing, to become that. I want what we do today to spark something in you that when tomorrow comes or the week comes or the weekend comes, that we're still doing church together. And it doesn't necessarily mean, you know, up here worship and stuff like that. And that's what I want to talk about. You are the church. And wherever you are, church is. Do you hear me? Wherever you are, church is happening. So whether you're meeting in a, a coffee shop, whether you're meeting in someone's home, whether you're going out and watching, seeing a movie together as a group or whatever it is, any time that the saints, that's you, come together to fellowship, to interact with each other, to pour into each other, to encourage each other, to lift each other up, to walk along life side with each other, that's church. And if you think that what we're doing today is it, that's what I want to help with. That's what I want to help with. And I'm telling you, this is something I kind of, in my own mind, needed to reset. I knew, but it's so easy to become exhausted by life. Anybody feel that way? Anybody just feel exhausted? Life is just exhausting me. Life, yeah, amen. Let's be honest. Come on now. First of all, another thing, we are also a Pentecostal church. That means you can talk back to me, okay? Don't yell at me, but you can respond to me when I say things. This is a Pentecostal church. You can amen or you can clap or, you know, and things like that. We just don't swing. No more swinging, all right? Yeah. It's a liability, okay? That's it. No, no swinging from chandeliers. It's a liability, but I want to get back to something, you guys. I want to get back to the reason why I wanted to start City Church to begin with, and that was to build relationships. And so here's the question I want you to start with today, before I even get into my sermon. Is that something that you are craving, that you are hungry for, real relationships? Now, we all have friends, right? We have friends in our life, but I'm talking about a, a level of friendship that when you know you are at your lowest. They will be there. Those people will be there to pick you back up. I want as a church to get back to that place that every single one of you that is sitting in this room can answer that. It may take some time to cultivate. It may take some of us to get out of our comfort zones and, and reach out and, and say, hey, I'm available or, or whatnot. But I want eventually by the end of this month, 
every single one of you who walks through that door to be able to say, I have those people in my life. And I hope a lot of them are here at City Church. Amen? Amen. Let's get into this, the sermon today. And, and there's no real uh, main scripture verse. I'm going to be all over the place. But if you do want to open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 16, that is where I will be starting. When I say the word church, what images pop into your head? Right? When I grew up, church was several different things. I uh, came, uh, my dad's side of the family are Roman Catholic. They're all Italians. Sicilians. I had to keep, I, what's funny is I say Italians, but we're actually Sicilians. Which, the reason why I don't say that is because sometimes there's a negative connotation against Sicilians and things like that. Anywho, we're very, we're very, very Roman Catholic. And every time I was with my family on the Italian side, we did mass. And we went. And I loved, loved, there was only one person on my dad's side of the family that church felt real for. And that was my great-grandmother. And she was actually born in Palermo, Sicily. She came to this uh, country as, as a little girl. And uh, she grew up, she loved church. When her husband passed away, she was still fairly young. I want to say she was like in her 60s still when her husband had passed away. She literally, I don't know what it's called, but she kind of like dedicated herself to the Catholic Church. And they even gave her one of those outfits. She was not a nun because a nun has never been married. But she was almost like a secondary type of servant to the church. And she even had one of the outfits that you could wear that basically said now that her husband had passed away, she was now dedicating her service and life. She was never, ever going to get married again, and she didn't. She loved church, and when I was with her, she talked about Jesus. Jesus was real to her, and I loved it. I loved that. So there was kind of that, it was interesting because the stark contrast of when I would go to Mass and the big cathedral, right? You know, and, the, and the, all the standing up and kneeling and, and the, the, you know, the reciting and things like that. I have to admit, I didn't learn anything when I was there, but I was definitely in awe of the place. Then there was, uh, you know, my mom had remarried and um, when on my mom's side, you know, we were like Protestants. And Foursquare, Foursquare, like I said, evangelical Christians. And so we went to church. Well, the church that I kind of grew up in when I was young, um, it was a smaller church. In fact, it was here in Buena Park. And I remember, this is my biggest memory of that church, was sitting in the pew, drawing on the tithe envelope in front of me. Anybody, any, anybody my age or close have those memories of sitting in the pew, pulling, yes, Gary knows exactly what church I'm talking about. It, yeah, sitting in the pew, pulling out the things and saying, Mom, do you have a pen? That was my view of church. It was boring. And my mom would make me wear a tie. You know, it was a pin clip-on tie. But my mom would make me wear a tie. What are, what are the, the pictures that you have in your mind when someone says, you know, the word church? Now, church could even rouse an emotional response in you. I have been a part of church long enough that I have hurts from church, from people in church, because people are human. I have served under people or I have been worked alongside of people who hurt me, who let me down, who I thought, you know, kind of we were doing one thing and, and it wasn't or, or, or whatever. So 
I've been around church long enough that I know what it means to kind of get down and, and, and get your hands dirty with people and work alongside of people that eventually you start to get on each other's nerves, right? Anybody know that kind of church? Everybody been involved that deep in church where, you know, you, you kind of, <laughs> yeah, stars over here, like, what does church rouse in you when you hear the word church? I want to help change your thinking Because I feel that this, and and to be honest with you, this is something that even I do. I always feel like church is them. I always feel like church is you guys, and I'm just kind of like the spectator. I want to change your thinking, because this is what the Bible says church is, from them to me. I'm the church. I'm it. If it does, if, if change is going to happen, Change needs to start with me. If I'm expecting things around me, then I at least need to say, something's got to start with me. If whatever it is that I'm wanting, why can't it be me? Because I am the church. You are the church. And I just want to help. And by the way, I'm I'm talking to myself. I really am. That I want to just change my thinking, change my mindset, that instead of it always being about them, that it says, but what about me? What is it that I can do to change? And then, you know what? When we all think like that, then it's us. Then it's us. Then we're all in this together. You and me, you know, we're all in this thing together. But it's so easily, because I've done it. I've done it. I've been on the the visitor side of church. I've been on the the spectator side of church. I know that feeling of saying, well, there's them, the church people, the leaders of the church, and then there's me. You know what I mean? And I want to get out of that thinking. You are the church. You're it. Let me go to Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 19, where the church began. This is where the church began. And we have to, if we're going to understand what church is, we have to know where it started. Amen? When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I am? The son of man. So they said, some say John the Baptist. Some say Elijah. Others, Jeremiah, one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. It starts with believing who Jesus is. That's why he asks Peter that question. Who do you say I am? Because that's it. That's what it's all about. When we gather together, you know, like this, it's about who we all believe Jesus is. Because if we all believe that he is the son of God, 
that he is the savior of all, that he came to this earth, that he died for our sins, then we can come together as the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. But we have to have that belief. We all have to have that same like mind. That's why, you guys, and, and I'm going to kind of speak out a little bit. It may be, you know, a little not politically correct, but that is why that we just can't invite every religion in here. You know, that would, I mean, of course, I would love to have relationship with people of different religions, but that's why we all need right here to be of like mind, because that's the center of it all. You have to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That's the church. And that's why Jesus looked right back at Peter and said, Peter, you are the rock that I will build my church upon and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And whatever it is that you bind here on earth will be bound in heaven. That what authority that gives us. And by the way, that same promise that was given to Peter has been given to you because the same Holy Spirit that filled Peter up fills you up. The same promise given to Peter, because we are the church, because you are the church, is given to you too. Whatever you bind here on earth will be binding him. Whatever you loose here on earth will be loosed in heaven. We believe in the builder, not the building. We believe in the builder, not the building. So it's the builder versus the building. Uh, The builder is a person, not a place. Right? A person, not a place. A servant, not a service. A servant, not just a service. A savior, not just a sanctuary. Not just a room. But a savior, one who saves us. 1 Peter 2, 5, 6, and 7 Coming to him as to a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but choosing by God and precious, you also as living stones are being built up as a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is also contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect, precious, And he who believes on him, there's that word again, believes, and he who believes on him will by no means be put to shame. Therefore, to you who believe, he is precious, but to those who are disobedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. (coughs) This scripture was prophetic about Jesus. They thought it was a real cornerstone. Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. It is the very foundational piece that you start with. Our, what we do and, and why we gather and, and, and this whole thing that, you know, that, that is called church, the only reason why we do this is, is all based upon the cornerstone, which is Jesus Christ. And it talks about how he was rejected, and of course, that he was initially rejected by his own people. But then, of course, all are welcome to be a part of the family of God. It's not just a certain group of, a group of people. That is the very, very foundation of the church. So where is the church going? Where is the church going? Then the 11 disciples went away into Galilee to the mountain which Jesus had appointed for them. When they saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. 
And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Right before Jesus ascends back up to the right hand of the Father, he says, listen, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit. I'm not going to leave you orphaned. I'm not leaving you. This thing isn't over that we've started. In fact, it's only just begun. And I'm sending you my Holy Spirit, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to go and make disciples. That is where the church is going. That is what the church is supposed to be doing. It's a movement, you guys. It's a movement, not a monument. It's not something we're supposed to build and look and say, ah, look what we've done. Look at our big church, cathedral, beautiful, right? And we awe at the building. But we forget it's supposed to be a movement. It's supposed to be something we do, not something we, we you know, amaze at uh, of our own, you know, work. The church has been given all authority against the enemy. Ephesians 6.12, starting in verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers and darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. We've been given authority over all of that. We are the church. You are the church. I am the church, and I have all authority over those things in the name of Jesus Christ. The church is to go and make disciples. You know, this is where I feel like in my time of growing up in church that I, I, I have seen this kind of back and forth thing with, well, what are we supposed to do as Christians? We're supposed to get people saved, right? We're supposed to get them saved. You hear that a lot. Let's get them saved. You know, I've been a part of churches, but we're going to get them saved. We're going to get them in. We're going to get them saved. But once you get them saved, what do you do with them, right? And I have, I'm going to be very honest, I have been a part of churches that have been really, really great at the bringing them in and getting them saved part. The problem is, is that's not what the scriptures say. That's not what Jesus commands us to do. He commands us to go and make disciples. Disciples stirs up this idea that, oh, I need to get personal with these people, I need to have relationship with these people. I need to walk alongside these people that it's not just about you coming to church and hearing me talk and then you guys all go your way and have a great week. Making disciples means that, you know what, you guys? We are going to do life together. And by the way, that isn't just, it, it, it does not say just the pastor of the church is supposed to go and make disciples. He gives that to all of them. He says, all y'all, all of you go and make disciples. If you call yourself a Christian, if you call yourself a believer, then there is something that is commanded of you, which is go and make disciples. So my question for you is, who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? If you can't answer that question, I'm giving you this month to answer it. Who are you discipling? Who are you pouring into? Who are you building relationship with saying, hey, come along this journey with me? As I learn, and by the way, here's the misconception. 
oh, I need to be a, a good biblical scholar to disciple somebody. No! If you are on the journey, take someone along with you. You know, if you're tripping up, say, hey, I tripped over this, don't trip over this. That's discipleship. Discipleship is just saying, hey, I'm going this way. Will you come along with me? And you know what? It might be crazy. It, it might be scary at times. But I promise, let's just do this thing together. As I learn, you learn. And as you learn, I learn. Sure, there's different levels of discipleship. But all of you, because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, are capable of it are capable of discipling someone. And I'm telling you right now, I don't care what stage of life that you are in, if there's still breath in your body that you have been called to disciple someone. And we even need to break. If there's something I want to do, I want our church to be multi-generational. That means that we don't just hang out with people our own age. And sometimes shame on us as a church by saying, okay, we're going to have the uh, young adults over here, and we're going to have the newly marrieds over here. We're going to have the uh, older marrieds, uh, uh, you know, kids out of the home in this group over here. And then we're going to have our young at hearts over here. Did you like that? I was saying I called them young at heart. Not the... No, you just still didn't like that star. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to do church together. You want to know why? Because I still have something to learn from a generation that's come before me. And I hope that I can grab some people that are generation behind me and, and bring them along too. If there's one thing Sheila and I used to do, we used to hang out with people older than us all the time. We learned so much. As a young couple, we would just say, can we hang out with you guys? And they'd go, yeah, you want to hang out with us? And we said, yeah. I mean, we were in our 20s, and you know, they were well into their 30s, and some of them are even in early 40s. And they said, you want to hang out with us? And we said, yeah, because we want to learn what you're doing because we know one day we'll be there. One day we'll have kids. One day we'll be, you know, stressing over the mortgage payment. You know, one day we'll be, you know, deciding a big career change. And you guys are walking through it right now. We want to watch, we want to observe. Some of our best friends are older than us. Some of our best friends are already, you know, well into another stage of life. It's not about just hanging out with who's your age. And can I tell you, the church has the tendency to want to group everybody up in those ages. Now, I get it. I get it. You do need to have people that are kind of like-minded and in a similar stage of life and things like that. But you don't have to just do that. Sheila and I have learned way more from people kind of outside of our normal, you know, age range and stage of life and things like that than we necessarily ever have inside that. But we do have our friends, and of course, they're all in the same stage of life, so we can laugh together and we can talk about our kids to one another and, you know, things like that. The church, you guys, is to teach and observe all that he has commanded. That's what God says. Go and teach and observe all that he has commanded. What is the greatest commandment for the church? Mark 12, 30 through 31. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. 
There is no other commandment greater than these. That's it. If you want to know what we're supposed to be doing, love the Lord your God. And I love how, you know, uh, it, it kind of almost seems to cover everything, right? Mind, soul, body, strength. Basically, that means with love God with everything that you are. Don't leave anything. Don't, don't hide any part away from him. You know, don't just say, well, yeah, I, I mean, I, I love him with my mind, but, you know, but in my heart, you know, or, or I serve the Lord, but my, you know, my mind, you know what I mean? Like, give him everything. He wants everything. And kind of like Jacob, how Jacob was kind of talking about, about giving. I mean, there's really this of giving of yourself, but there's a trust in that. There's a trust, just like in, in giving of our finances, you're saying, I trust you, I'm giving it to you, but here's the thing, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. And I'm going to pause, if someone could turn the air back on, that would be amazing. Starting, I'm feeling the, the warmth. Nick, actually, Nick, if you don't mind, I think, no, Nick, oh, thank you. You can't outgive God. So ask yourself, you guys, who is your neighbor? Who is it? And it doesn't necessarily have to be your actual neighbor. Maybe you know them very well. But who is your neighbor? Who, who is in your sphere of influence? And who are you discipling? Who are you discipling? Acts 1, 4 through 8. How the church is going to get there. How, how are we going to do this thing, right, that Jesus is calling us to do? And being assembled, assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? And he said to them, it is not for you to know the time or the seasons which the Father has put on in his own authority, but you shall receive, here it is, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the other ends of the earth. You guys, it's about a people, not a place. It's about a people. The church is to be guided by the power of the Holy Spirit. In Joel, this is an Old Testament uh, you know, prophet Joel chapter 2, uh, verses 28, 29, it says this, and it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. The old men shall dream dreams and the young men shall see visions. And also my men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. He, Joel is covering everyone. He's saying that anyone who is ready to receive, I will pour out my spirit. These are those days, you guys. This is it. We're living in it. And by the way, you are able to receive just as Joel is prophesying and Jesus promised you may receive the power of the Holy Spirit if you are so willing. And that Holy Spirit is what will help you to do what God has commanded us to do, which is to be the church, not go to church, but be the church. The church is to be Christ's witnesses, our testimony. Each and every one of you have a testimony. Each and every one of you started off this life, and then God did something in you radically, and he's changed you. And slowly, 
but surely day in and day out, the old way of you seems to kind of be, you know, a thing of the past and dying. And that is your testimony. That if you've walked through something, that you can turn around and find someone who is in the midst of it or about to go in it. And you could say, I have been there and you will make it through. Because of the strength that God gave me, because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I was able to get through. And I'm going to encourage you, you could get through too. In fact, I'm going to be right here. I'm going to be right here. Guys, we have a job to do. It is a command. We are to be Christ's witnesses. And if you are saying, I don't have anything to offer, that is another lie. That is another lie. You do have something to offer. Every single one of you has a story. Just tell it. Just share it. Just sit around with someone else and share your story of how God changed you or how he met you or even something he's currently doing in you now or maybe it's something that you're still hoping for but you haven't given up hope every single one of you has a story every single one of you so because the church is people that means the church is not perfect but because the church is the bride of christ we are made perfect through him you hear me We're not perfect. We're going to hurt each other. It happens. But if we have the attitude of family, the Bible says, come, let's reason together. Let's come together and talk and say, hey, how can we fix this? That's what the church does. And that's what I'm asking of all of you is come. Let us reason together. Let's be a family together and let's know That because we are the bride of Christ, we are forgiven. You are forgiven. We are forgiven. We're forgiven. Are we going to continue to rub each other the wrong way? Well, of course. I have family that tick me off. But I love them, right? I've got, yes, I forgot I have my own cousin sitting here in the room. Not my cousin, but there are other family members who, you know, but they're still family. And to be honest with you, I still love them. No matter that they tick me off and anger me and hurt me and things like that. So what am I asking from you guys? Here it is. And then we're done. Here's what I'm asking. The month of August, where I want to come back to something. And I need your help. Because it's not something I can do on my own. But I want to come back to something. So here's some questions that I want you to start with. or some, not questions, but things that I want you to start with. I'm asking you if you will be relational. I'm asking you if you would take ownership of being the church. Every single one of you, from my leaders all the way down to, if this is your first time, welcome to our church. But I'm asking you if you would take ownership of, I am the church, and I am going to be relational. Because then if all of us are doing that, then boy, this is going to be one big lovey-dovey place. But don't be afraid to reach out and don't think, well, I'm just so-and-so. Or, I, no, I don't, I'm not, you know what I mean? You are the church. I need you to that become your mantra, your, your I am the church. Every morning you wake up this month, say, I am the church. I am the church. 
I am going to be relational. I am going to be present. That's another thing I'm asking. If we're expecting God to move, then we all need to be present in this thing together. Because I'm telling you, when, when we're all here, there, and let me explain the why behind that. There is someone in this room who could offer somebody else something that I can't. There's an experience, there's a knowledge, or there's, uh, you know, they've walked through something. And I, I could do my best as a pastor to try to encourage you, but guarantee you there's someone in this room who doesn't necessarily know somebody else in this room yet, but you have something to offer. And the only way you're going to find out by being present. Continue to give God those opportunities. The more and more you're present for opportunity, then the more and more God will use you, right? It's just like, and I do this all the time. You know, I drive around and, and Buena Park has tons of homeless people. And I pray for them a lot, but it wasn't just until last week that I've actually gone and talked with some of them. And I was super, super blessed. What did it take me? It took me to get out of my car. You know, I had the greatest intentions. Oh, look at all those homeless. Oh, God, do something about the homeless. And then I would drive on my way. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying praying for them is bad. I'm just saying I finally put the car in park. I finally got out and I finally walked around and talked with some of them. And it blessed me so much. It did. It, I, felt, I felt good, not because, you know, oh, look what I did. It just felt good to connect with some of them. There are some great people that are walking the streets in Boynton Park, really. There's some scary ones too. <laughs> but I, really, I met some great people. And my heart was softened because of it. But I was available, you guys. I was present. I'm going to be very honest with you. What happened to church? That it's become a, ah, uh, I feel like it this morning type of thing. And that's what I'm asking you. Will you be present? You know, will you be present? And then lastly, will you just be open? Will you say, will you just say to God this month, God, I am open to be used by you. How can I be used by you? My gifts, my talents, my passions, how can I be used by you? I'll do whatever. I'll do whatever it takes. Be relational, be present, and be open. Those are the three things I'm asking from you this month. And I'm going to repeat it this entire month. But I believe, you guys, let me tell you what I believe. So now I'm going to get a little prophetic. I really believe God is wanting to open the floodgates in our church and to do amazing things. But I believe it starts with us right here, this group. God's not going to send people to our church if we're not ready for them. And I'm not saying that we're not ready for them. I'm just saying, let's get really, really good at loving people. Let's get really, really good at building relationships. Let's get really, really good at discipling people because I believe, I'm just telling you, I feel like it's coming. I really feel like it's coming. So I'm wanting to prepare you and encourage you and say, I need every single one of you in this room, every single one of you, I need you. Because I want to go win the world for Jesus and I believe he's coming back soon. So let's get to work. But guess what? It's a fun work because it means getting to know people and building relationships, discipling people. Amen? Let's pray.
Father God, thank you for this time. Thank you for your love for us. Jesus, you want a personal relationship with every single person in this room. There is nobody in here that is disqualified from being a part of God's family, from being a part and being called the church. There is no one. The Bible says this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. Just like Peter, when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? Who do you say Jesus is? And if you say you are the Christ, the son of the living God, and that you came to this earth and you died at a cross for my sins, then you are a part of the family of God. If you have never ever proclaimed that publicly, and you would like to do that this morning, you would like to make a declaration, I today wanna say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, that Jesus Christ is who he says he is, that he is the Son of God. If you've never ever done that publicly and you want to do that today and with me here looking, if you wouldn't mind just raising your hand as a sign of declaration, yes, I am here to say that Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, the Son of the living God. I want that same forgiveness. I want to be part of God's family. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise you, Lord. I'm also asking for all of us that we would not make church a place or a job, because I've done that, and I'm sorry. That we would make it a place where we would build relationships with one another. We would love on one another. We would come alongside one another that each and every one of us would take responsibility and say, I am the church. I'm not going to church. I am the church and I'm bringing it with me. That we would all change our mindset. Lord, help us. Jesus, help us. Holy Spirit, help us. Guide us. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.